Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we are going way beyond with a special bonus episode. We have an interview with John Jackson Miller and a panel recorded live at DragonCon. My name is Beth Van Dusen and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Shonk. Over to you first, Chad. We may spoil something. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Oh yeah. Spoil, uh, are we going to spoil anything this week? I don't know if we do or not. If you haven't seen the movies, maybe you'll be spoiled. The original trilogy? Yeah, we're going to spoil the original trilogy tonight. So if you haven't watched those, beware, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> Ryan, what, what's what what's been going on while we were conning? Well, while we were at one con, there was another going on. D23 happened um, along with Disney Plus Day. And so there was a lot of news from all the IPs from Disney. Um, We got to see from Skeleton Crew our first look at what Law looks like. Um, Bad Batch got their official release date on uh, January 4th, which was pushed out a little bit from what people thought it was going to be. We got stills from Ahsoka, um, which looked amazing. Um, you know, we got a better shot of that recreated end scene of Rebels. Also interesting Ahsoka news. So you know how for the past, I don't know, year at least, everyone knew who was playing Ezra. Well, turns out everyone was wrong. <laughs> um, Ezra is going to be played by Amand Esfandi. I'm not sure what he has been in previously, but man, he looks just like Ezra. Like, if you put them side by side, he looks great. They did not bring him out. They were kind of like, they didn't talk too much about Ahsoka. Um, They had some really good interviews with Rosario, just about how much she's into it. And apparently there's something that Filoni says he's the best thing that he's ever done and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'm surprised they still have not really said Hera's name or confirmed her. They kind of cheek around it and she's been in that leaked footage, but they also haven't mentioned Thrawn. Yeah. Yeah. They're being real, real quiet about Ahsoka, which makes sense because they have other stuff coming first. Acolyte got some new casting. Um, Jody Turner Smith got cast. And then what I was more interested in Lee, and I'm going to say it wrong. Lee Jugge who is the lead of Squid Games, is apparently also going to be one of the stars of Acolyte. And I was late to Squid Games, but I absolutely loved it. And he is really good. So that cast is turning out to be amazing. So the big reveals, I guess, we got, of course, more Andor footage and more Andor trailers, and it's all over TV. And we are very, very close. I cannot wait. Ryan is very, very close to something. I, I tell you what, um, I think the biggest reveal is we got the Mandalorian season three trailer. So close. Mando season three. It looks good. There's lots of Mando action 
Um, yeah, there is. You know, hot Mando action. Dropships. Yeah. Those dropships look so cool. I didn't even like Mandalorians, but I was like, a dropship? What do they need that for? And then they dropped and their back their jetpacks lit up and I was like, Yeah, that's awesome. That was that was right out of Rebels. Yeah. That stuff looks like it's right out of, right off of Rebels. And we get to see the healing waters of Mandalore. Whatever that is gonna be. The most people were most excited about and talking about was the Tales of the Jedi trailer kind of we got more information about it it looks real good i you know you got to see a little little yaddle um we got to see what the character designs look like there's an inquisitor in it which is odd it doesn't i don't know how that's gonna fit in but it's kind of a different looking inquisitor than we have seen before but i mean has that same Silly lightsaber, obviously. And then we get to see Padme's... I mean, uh, Ahsoka's going to be at Padme's funeral. But yeah, it's going to come out on October 26th. There's six episodes. They're about 15 minutes apiece. Um, They're going to release them all on the same day. There are still lots of questions if this is in canon or not. Because there appears to be things that directly go against Jedi Lost. And what is kind of presented in Jedi Lost as far as how Dooku, what happened. So we'll see. Looks great, though. Is is there enough Plo Koon in your future or no? Look, I mean, he wasn't in the trailer, but the timeline adds up, right? We're getting a young Dooku, young Qui-Gon. I mean, obviously they need a, a mentor hero type character there. Well, who and discovers Ahsoka? We do. You're right. There's the baby. And we don't know if, I mean, Ahsoka, they show her, you know, I guess calming a beast and you're a Jedi. And I don't know if they're just going to show that and then it'll move on later or if we'll get her actually being taken by Plukin. One can hope. I, I bet we'll see him. It may move up to the best Disney show there is. I don't know. And they really the only other big news or interesting news. The, um, synopsis for path of um destruction the first new high republic book the ya one got released and it is going to be about delma so you know we all knew they hinted pretty heavily something went bad on delma and apparently the book is about these two jedi that go out and get cut off a padawan and they run into like this religion called the i think it's called like the force cult of the open hand or something that believe that Jedi are evil because no one should control the force. And I don't know the whole book. It looks interesting. It sounds good. So we'll have that soon. I don't know. I mean, D23 overall, they had a lot of like good reveals, you know, it's pretty excited. I was more interested by what they didn't talk about. There was no mention of Watiti's movie. There was no mention of rogue squadron. There's no, no movies. mention of any movies. Nope. And so, you know, apparently Kennedy is going to hold off on movies for a while and see how all these shows do and go from there, I guess. I'm honestly wondering if we're ever going to see another Star Wars movie. I mean, I eventually, we we'll have to. I guess we'll have to eventually. I just, uh, I don't know. I think we'll get the Watiti movie. I don't know about the rest of it. Yeah. I, he- Rain Johnson is still going around. 
and saying that he yeah but he's got a not he's got like five knives out movies he's got to make yeah and that's his franchise yeah and that's his franchise he's making all the money for on that are those he's netflix exclusives yeah. yeah are they and he's making a lot of money off of them and then just as a side note for our listeners moonfall has premiered on hbo max if you'd <laughs> like to hear more about the conspiracy of the moon if you want to hear the word megastructure more times than you would ever want to hear it in your life, yeah. If you're interested in a little something I like to call the truth, then... <laughs> Chad, wake up. When are you going to understand? The moon wants to kill you. Chad, what's been going on in the funny pages since we've been gone? Not a ton. Star Wars number 27 by Sewell and a new artist, Andre Genole uh, follows the story of a couple of Imperial defectors who have knowledge of the second Death Star. I'm willing to go with you, Charles, but there better be some Bothans coming soon. Do you think they're going to do that in the comics? Because we haven't seen that in New Canaan, right? Vader 26 by Pack and Ionico. It's all about sand. It's not a joke. The issue is all about Anakin and sand. Um, You get to see Vader ride a pod racer, which is pretty cool. But seriously, the main metaphor of the story is sand. It works, but it takes the like everyone's favorite sand monologue and it tries to take it seriously. <laughs> that's that's the that's the that's the goal of the issue is to take his hatred of sand very seriously. It's up to the reader if it if it worked. We've all make fun of that line. But look, we've all been to the beach on vacation and you get in your bed and you're all clean and there's sand in it and it's really annoying. <laughs> Obi-Wan number four of five by Cantwell and Musa Bekoff. I think that's a new artist too. As the, as the sandstorm arrives, old Ben once again reminisces about his past, this time about a Clone Wars adventure with Anakin featuring an appearance by Admiral Yularen uh, with a bit of Apocalypse Now thrown in. Not quite Shatterpoint levels of Apocalypse Now, but a little bit of Apocalypse Now. And then we've got uh, Afra number 24 by um, Wong and Young. A bunch of Chelly's ex-girlfriends team up to try to rescue her from the Spark Eternal. One day they'll learn <laughs> not to do that, but so far her exes are still, her exes are coming to, coming to save her. After Clear and present Dengar, which is clearly the best name. Yeah, Could is. they have not fallen up with like Chelly's Angels? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what it is right now. It is Chelly's Angels. But, but that was it for comics. So, Beth, before we run your interview, um, how was it talking to John Jackson Miller? Uh, Started awkward because they had no record of us having an interview booked besides John Jackson Miller and I sitting in chairs next to each other in a hallway going, but we're both here (laughs) for the same thing. We we have these emails. Here's our phones with these emails you sent us. (laughs) Did you have a meet cute with the author of Obi-Wan? (laughs) <laughs> I did. <laughs> anyway, uh, so off after a rocky start, uh, went well. He was very gracious. His voice was going, and yet he continued to talk. Uh, he seemed, uh, you know, a little uncomfortable, like he's used to being on panels and things like that. But he was more than happy to talk about 
a new dawn obi-wan uh there's apparently a, a new star trek book as well that i think i'm going to read because rios is a good character on picard i think he's also doing some strange new world stuff or he's about yes, to he is he oh. said that as well so actually really fun to talk to you besides um just wanting to know more about star wars if you also like star trek really good guy to talk to so uh if we can start with the new dawn i would love to start with the new dawn okay. because if timothy's on as the father of the expanded universe you're the father of new canon uh was not intentional at all <laughs> um and you know i don't even really you know uh accept fully the uh the the description anyway um the uh but but yeah i was in the middle of writing um a novel which was going to be the novel I wrote after Kenobi, and um, you know it was kind of the inverse of Kenobi in that uh, the Kenobi novel is about a Jedi who knows what Order sixty six is and he knows what he's supposed to do with his life. Uh, New Dawn is uh, about Kanan Jarrus, who is a Jedi who does not know what happened in Order sixty six and does not know what to do with his life. Uh, and so uh, he starts drinking uh, and, and basically um, yeah, taking dangerous jobs. Um, and uh, what happens is uh, I'm in the middle of writing this book um, and we start, or actually at the beginning, uh, it's clear that we're doing the things a somewhat different way than before. Um, the Kenobi novel, which I actually started writing 10 years ago this month, uh, was based on a plot that I had um, submitted initially to my comic book publisher in 2006. Uh, and we had gone through three iterations of that plot, and it kept getting longer and longer and longer, and it was no way we were ever going to put it, put it in a comic book. Uh, it was going to have to be in a novel, and so it sat on the shelf until we, we got to it. Um, whereas, uh, you know, the with, uh, with New Dawn... From the beginning, the concept was this was going to be a prequel to Rebels, and uh, it was going to come out before Rebels came out, um, and uh, the uh, or, or really right on top of it was the hope of it, uh, hope for it, uh, and that it would um, be something where I would have the um, cooperation and collaboration of the people on the TV show, and that is what we had uh, because we had. Um, you know, first the suggestions of what we could write about uh, from uh, uh, Dave Filoni and Greg Wiseman and Simon Kinberg, and then they all looked over the um, the plot that I eventually submitted. That you know, this this came after me talking to the Lucasfilm Story Group in a conference call, which Filoni was on. Uh, so all of this is uh, all of this is transpiring in. Uh, the latter part of 2013 and so the writing begins on the novel uh, my initial title on it is uh, Loose Cannons <laughs> uh, which again is you know, all the characters that Hera is surrounded with are she considers loose cannons um, I come to realize that something may or may not be happening with, uh, with uh, you know the, the canon of the timeline uh, just because we're starting to approach them needing to get ready for um, uh, episode seven, um, and so you know the the next title that I had kind of gone to instead of um, instead of loose cannons 
uh, was actually rogue elements. And, um, <laughs> and again, just relating to the fact that these are rogue elements running around, and uh, you know, there's an element that a special compound that is uh, that is, you know, the MacGuffin in this book. Um, but all this uh, changes in terms of title and everything. When you know, two thirds of the way through the book, I think it's either late February or early March, um, I hear from um, Random House saying, "We need you to go out to California um, and." Uh, we're going to be uh, doing something. We're going to be changing the uh, name of all the backlist titles to uh, be rebranded under the Legends brand. Um, and uh, we're going to uh, do everything in the future. We're going to call it under the Lucasfilm Story Group. And you will be one of the, uh, you know, you'll, you'll actually be the, well, you will have, you'll, your novel will be the very first novel. And so we need you to fly out to California. And uh, and do a video about that, and I did, and you know I'm I'm getting out, I, I I step out of the hotel into the car that they've sent, and Tim Zahn is in the back of it, and so he and I go over to Lucasfilm where I probably get him lost, uh, <laughs> because there are many many buildings on the Presidio that look just alike, and only one of them has the uh, Yoda statue, um, but uh, but anyway we go over there and uh, and we we meet and. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned to the folks at Lucasfilm that there is um, an opportunity here as long as we're going to be doing this thing this way where everything in the future is going to be considered canonical um, uh, or, you know, not really, I don't know the word canon comes about. It's just everything from here is going to be able to be used in, we expect to use things in TV shows. We expect to use things in games. We expect to use things in, com in, in comics. Um, and everything before that will be used for inspiration and concepts and, you know, legends. Legends may, may be part, may be true in part in whole or not at all, uh, depending on what they want to do with it, what they need to do with it. Uh, and so what happens is, uh, is, uh, you know, I, I suggest to the folks at Lucasfilm that, uh, you know, there's one character in this book, uh, that should be your running character. Um, because I, I, I like her already, and and uh, I describe Ray Sloan. Uh, I did not know at the time, and I don't know that anybody knew at the time that there was already going to be another Ray with a different spelling. Uh, but it's it's okay. That's that's how it goes forward. And so Ray Sloan continues under that name, uh, and has now since been used in uh, other novels, aftermath, uh, other short stories. I've written a bunch of short stories she's been in. And now she's also been in, I guess, the Star Wars uh, Squadrons uh, game or whatever they call it, um, uh, actually appearing on screen. So, you know, I, I keep looking to see if she's going to appear somewhere else. Uh, you know, the downside of, of, of that novel is that almost everybody in it doesn't survive to the end. And so I didn't really have anybody left over. Uh, other than other than other than her, so it's not it's not like I have a, a host of characters coming out of there. Uh, but you know, who knows? They can still do stories in the past. We did do a story with Count Vidian in it uh, in the uh, Rise of the Empire, which was a bind up of New Dawn and uh, and that. But uh, anyway, uh, there are still um, nods to the original titles, loose cannons, uh, the specific element that. Uh, the Empire is trying to mine this planet for uh, in the novel, or mine this moon for in the novel, um, is, uh, is, uh, is, is something that uh, 
uh, lubricates cannons. <laughs> so, so you have that. Um, New Dawn, the specific name, uh, again, that was that was just one of several that came from Random House because we they said they wanted to do something that indicated that this was a first book. This is the rise of the rebellion. This is this is this is the New Dawn, um, and you know it sort of works in that way. It doesn't really fit with the novel because the cover of the novel um, is a moon, which is the, the, the main place that we talk about uh, in, in the book, uh, and not a, not, a, not a sun. And of course, on this planet, if the sun were to rise, everybody would die because it's a, it's a tidally locked planet. Again, doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, but anyway, yes. Uh, so the book has uh, been out for eight years. It's uh, been reprinted many times. Um, you know, it ended up coming out a month before um, the um, a month before the TV show came out, which was not intentional. Um, the TV show was delayed, uh, and uh, so uh, you know, it, I. I I saw a tweet yesterday, uh, or, or actually just 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 this afternoon, someone saying, it, it you know it, it doesn't match the TV show's vibe exactly. It's too adult. It's too dark. And well, first of all, I hadn't seen the TV show, so the fact that we got close at all is great. Uh, Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Hera, she said, "Oh, you just nailed us exactly." And I'm like, "That's wonderful," because I had no idea what you sounded like. Uh, and and uh, and then then uh, then also. It's an adult novel. Um, you know, the there was a there was a version of the cover. I think I never saw it, but I know there was a version of the cover where the characters were more lifelike, um, like actors. Um, and they said, no, we sort of want to split the difference between you know the what we see in the animated series and and uh, and uh, and more lifelike. So that's why we got the novel uh, cover that we did um, uh, by. Uh, by my artist uh, Doug, whose last name is escaping me, but you'll look it up. Uh, I will. Doug Wheatley. Absolutely. Doug Wheatley. Doug Wheatley. W h e a t l e y. And so, so yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's a it's an adult novel, even though it's about a animated series that was on Disney XD. Well, and and Kanan starts out a little rough around the edges in the show, so he he's... he does and he is, and uh, you know he's he's uh, you know another another you know echo of this is as I say I, I reuse that Rogue Elements title for uh, or I have to use the Rogue Elements title for my Picard novel, which is about a character named Rios who is thrown out of Starfleet for reasons he does not understand, and he does not know what's going on, and. He takes up a life as a tramp freighter pilot to make ends meet, and hates every bit of his life. And he's drinking his way through the galaxy. He's more or less the Star Trek mirror image of uh, of, of Kanan. Um, and you know, they both uh, have a uh, you know, there's a there's a woman in both books that um, you know meets them, realizes you're useless to me uh, as you are. <laughs> you're you're no good to me at this point. Uh, you can't help me advance my aims. Uh, in the Picard novels case, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's the, the, the mob accountant who is, who, you know, take it, coming, she's boarded to take control of his spaceship and make sure that he makes money. <laughs> and again, she considers him unreliable and, and useless until he proves otherwise. And again, likewise in, um, in New Dawn, um, you know, they had said, you know, we want you to have this, you know, this meeting between Kanan and Hera. Uh, you know, and 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 he's gonna 
fall in love with her voice, he's going to fall in love with her, but they're still not going to acknowledge any of these things. And by the end of the book, they're still not going to consider that the other is even an option uh, because, you know, he, uh, you know, is, is somebody who's still damaged uh, and uh, from everything. And, uh, and, you know, Hera's whole thing is... Um, there's no time for love, Charlie Brown. Uh, she she's intending on running the rebellion, and she has no desire to. Um, I hear it in your voice, and I was wondering if you would like one. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I will I will take one after I. Uh, Seven more minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, very good. Uh, I'll take them after I'm done here. But yes, that's uh, my. I, I, I if I me to go to the CVS immediately after this to sort of save myself. <laughs> These are quite good. I've been giving them to a lot of people that have been. Because everybody's losing their voice right now. Yeah, I, a, I tried to bring them every year. <laughs> good planning. Um, I have not read Rogue Elements yet, but I, I am very excited to do so because I do love Picard, and he is a great character. Yeah, uh, you know, we I've described him as uh, he's he, you know obviously he's sort of Star Trek's Han Solo, except he drinks a lot more, swears a lot more, <laughs> and has a much more active social life than Princess Leia would accept. Um, again, you know, I. I I loved every minute of writing this book. Um, I can't say that for every book I've ever written, <laughs> but but this is one where the way that we work things in Star Trek again, it's you know not identical to what we do in Star Wars, um, but it is you know it's it's I call it canon adjacent, and the reason is that um, the the um, the last four novels I've done, including the upcoming one, which is. Um, I just finished before I flew up here um, uh, the uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds novel called The High Country. All four of these books I have worked in conjunction with Kirsten Beyer, who is one of the authors. She writes the Star Trek Voyager novels, and she was brought into the writer's room for um, a Discovery, and so she consulted on my Discovery novels, and then on this Picard novel, Rogue Elements, where she's the co-creator of the Picard series. And she said, here's what you can write about. Here's what, you know, here's the era you can set it in and go nuts. Um, and then she's one of the producers on uh, Stranger Worlds. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different dynamic, but, um, you know, I was able to include a character in the Discovery novel that had not appeared in Discovery yet. Um, there were elements, certainly, Hera and Kanan were in my novel before the TV show was on. And that's how this sort of thing is designed. Um, you know, we're a lot more integrated than we had been. Um, so, did did it bother you that Kenobi was out, and then all of a sudden, okay, had, now it's now it's Legends. I now actually had received <laughs> I had actually received a graphic of the, the release of the Kenobi novel with no Legends banner, like the day before they gave me this information that I needed to do this thing. Uh, and I wish I still had that graphic. <laughs> um, you know, look, uh, we, we were afraid that the Kenobi novel would never come out anyway because um, one of the reasons that I shelved it in 2007 was that George Lucas had started talking about doing a TV series set in the dark, dark times that might have wound up on ABC. Um, that was before it was even owned by Disney. And then when the Disney purchase happened... I hadn't started writing the novel yet. It was October of 2013, uh, or 2012, rather. The Disney purchase was announced, and uh, L.M. McGregor is immediately saying, hey, I'd love to do a, you know, a, 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 a movie or a TV show or something. And I was in a panic throughout the entire year that, 
oh, they're going to say I can't do this book. So I don't care that they <laughs> did what they did. And in fact, I mean, look, um, Ellen read the novel. Um, um, uh, Deborah Chow, director, read the novel uh, for the Orion Kenobi series. The novel uh, is an arrival story. It takes place during the first month he's on Tatooine. They were not doing an arrival story. They couldn't do it um, uh, set then. Um, there is nothing in their story in that season that overwrites anything I did, uh, that, that uh, conflicts with it. And in fact, the entire business about Qui-Gon not responding to Obi-Wan, um, which was something I had gone back and forth on when I was writing the novel for ver various reasons, and I settled on, no, this is more poignant if he never talks to him. Um, well, they, they, they more than honored that. I mean, they, they made it a, a, you know, a, a, a significant decision of ours uh, is, is, uh, is paid off in their series. So, uh, so that's wonderful. Um, you know, they've done their story where he goes off-world. Um, I would never have done a story where he went off-world, but if he was going to go off-world, Leia is a great reason. Uh, it's probably the only reason that I, I, I can think of that would be a good idea. Um, and if they wanted to later on tell a story that is uh, more personal, uh, how he moves into his house, <laughs> there's ways to do that. They can do whatever they want in terms of waving their wand over any part of the canon or, or any part of anything they own, rather, uh, in terms of you know making it part of something else. Marvel does it all the time. Well, this this was what I wanted when they announced the show. I said, "Well, it needs we need Kenobi. This needs to be Kenobi." Well, and and the thing is, Kenobi the novel was the opposite of what many people expected. Um, they all assumed it was going to be one Sith Lord, one you know, chasing after the the, the baby, uh, one Sith Lord, one uh, you know, one earth shattering thing, you know, some encounter with Darth Vader or something like that. And, and um, you know, to a degree, uh, that is what the series did. They did the story that people sort of probably were going to be demanding. I, you know, said up front, this is a very different kind of book. There are no space battles. There are no lightsaber fights. Um, this is a guy in pain. And this is him beginning to start to deal with it. You can tell that kind of a story anytime in here. Um, and... So, you know, if you're concerned about the continuity, uh, I mean, you know, he, he could have moved back to a cave after the events of this novel, and now he's moving into the house that he's expecting, and, you know, he could, he could, he could still wander into the oasis. Star Wars fans shouldn't get too bent out of shape about uh, timelines anyway. They change so often. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's how it goes. And, uh, you know, the stories will, will always be there on the shelf. Well, thank you so much. I, I know your voice is going. I don't want to make you keep talking and, and yeah. wear you out any further. But um, What I can just say real quick coming up is um, uh, Star Trek Picard Rogue Elements is in trade paperback. Star Trek Kenobi is in a new, uh, new trade paperback. It is coming out next week in uh, a new hardcover from Barnes & Noble. Uh, Leatherbound hardcover, uh, which is combined with a book by Alan Dean Foster called Approaching Storm. Uh, the Strange New Worlds novel comes out uh, February 21st in audiobook, ebook, and um, uh, and hardcover. 
And uh, then I have two books uh, that are um, uh, coming out from uh, Vernon Press, uh, where I have essays in both of them. There's they're academic books about Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, one is uh, I was asked to write the I was asked to write the tie-ins and canon articles for both Star Wars and Star Trek, and I kind of compare and contrast. Oh wow! And I come up with some. Uh, I come up with some history that I didn't know and uh, and some interesting conclusions. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That's exciting. I'm going to read all of those. Sure. So as you know, we just came back from Dragon Con, and I thought we'd take a second to talk about our experience there. It was my first time there in probably 25 years. Um, felt good. Uh, but um, we did, uh, what did we do? We did two panels. Mm-hmm. We did, uh, in the morning, the Star Wars Trek uh, invited us to come on a panel uh, about new canon, talking about the new books and comics. And that one, I think, went really well. Yeah, I had a really good time doing that panel. Um, I wasn't sure quite what to expect going into it, but it was a good time. And Miller was there. Got a little, little promotion in. <laughs> yeah, John fun. Jackson Miller was there. Yeah, He, he stopped by. I, I introduced myself to him as... I was on that panel you stopped in at yesterday morning. Yeah, and the panel was um, moderated by Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained, which is pretty cool. The uh, eventual Star Wars trivia contest winner for this year's Dragon Con. It was pretty simple. Um, I wasn't sure either what to expect until we got there. And it was just like, hey, have you read any of the books? Mm-hmm. Then just talk about the books or the comics. It was, it was just all it required is it. The only requirement was to do what we do on the show. So it worked out. I think if we if we uh, did all right by them, that uh, we would be hopefully invited back again. I, I think the audience was entertained and engaged. Yeah. I mean, especially for 10 a.m. on Friday. My gosh. Yeah. 10 a.m. on Friday, though. Whew. Oh, no, I, I get it. Uh, believe me, no one was more surprised than me when Schweck was the one who said, you guys, we need to do this. It, you know that there's a 10 in the morning, right? Dragon Con is, as I learned, a, a four and a half day party <laughs> that doesn't seem to stop no. ever. It only this stops when seem- you let it, Chad. I know. I know. I know. Some nights I had to let it stop. I'm an old man. <laughs> and then we had our own panel, thanks to the our friends at the American Sci-Fi Classics track there at Dragon Con. We had our own panel where we discussed the special editions. Um, we don't need to talk about it too much because we're going about to run that, right? Yeah. But, but I'll say um, pretty good turnout, pretty engaged crowd, as you will hear. You will hear some some friends of ours heckling from the second row. Several of those friends have never been to a panel of mine before. I've been doing panels for, what, <laughs> seven, eight years now? I see what it takes to get our friends to a panel. It takes Ryan Schweck. I just think they were surprised that Ryan had the initiative. <laughs> they all wanted uh, to see if he actually show up. I mean, I think I come out the big winner of the panel simply by not being booed off the stage. During the discussion of who shot first. And and other things. That's very true. That's very true. I'm irritated that I was I was hosting, I was moderating a panel. I got an interview. I had an actual interview with the Star Wars author and you guys came away with all the information. We did go to a cool panel, didn't we? Yeah. Um we got to go to the awesome Star Wars writers panel, I think they call it. Um, yeah, the awesome authors. I think. Awesome authors. That was it. And yeah. we got to see Anderson, Zahn, Claudia Gray, Miller, Delia Dawson. 
uh, really the highlight for me, or not the highlight, but the thing I remember stack most. Stack pole. Oh yeah, I don't have don't have stack pole in my notes. Um, we did learn that Geode is from How to Steal a Million. Like he is based on that the, movie. The movie How to Steal a Million. Yeah. Yeah. And he was the idea of Claudia Gray's husband, apparently. According to Claudia Gray, she says on the panel that Geode was her husband's idea. And we got to meet her husband and sit with him. He was very nice. And he was very nice. He was very nice. Ryan slipped him a beer. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the trying to get those sweet details. Uh-huh. Trying to trying to, <laughs> trying see to get what those was high republic details. I know. I would like to say if Claudia Gray, you know, is listening, because I'm sure she does. I was not stalking you during this convention. I just <laughs> happened to run into you several times and talk to you. Yeah. I I received several messages from our friends over the course of the first few hours of the con that sounded like you were stalking Claudia Gray. I'm just saying. She was having trouble checking into her hotel, and I was very concerned. (laughs) Another cool highlight, I thought, when we were leaving the panel, we ended up staying next to you and talking to Timothy Zahn for a minute. And when we were taking pictures and kind of talking to him, we got to meet. And I'm not clear who, if she's related to him. Yeah, nephew, niece, or granddaughter, or something. Yeah, but she is Arlani. Her name is what Arlani was taken from. So that was a really cool thing. And she had Arlani on her T-shirt. Yeah. Um. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, she was the model of. I was because I was telling him about how my favorite Star Wars moment of the year was Arlani's uh, "Every Damn One of Them" line from uh, Lesser Evil, and he was like, "Oh, well, this is Arlani standing right here." Mm-hmm. Her name is like her name is Ara, and then something that ends with Lonnie, mm-hmm. and he just condensed it down to Ara Lonnie. That part was pretty cool. And that is all the fun things that happen at Dragon Con, and why people should go because things like that happen, and they're really awesome. Hey, it's Chad here. Just as a warning, the audio quality here for the panel is a little touch and go. I, it's completely listenable, I think, but it's not up to our normal standards. Um, but please uh, give it a chance. And this is me, Beth. Ryan and our friend uh, Gary Mitchell moderating our panel at Dragon Con called uh, Who Shot First? 25 Years of the Special Editions. At least we know like 10 people in the audience. <laughs> all right. It does fold. Every, anybody all here remember here. our Facebook group? I was seven years old when Star Wars came out. <laughs> Which just means I'm old. Hey! I was a young and so I and so I remember a world pre Star Wars and it's a dark time, <laughs> and then post Star Wars where everything is light and happiness and no one ever disagrees. Thank God, Star Wars fans are so passionate. Yes, yeah, Star Wars fans. I've never been known to fly off the handle for no reason about women. All right. Don't forget minorities or minorities. Yeah. Because you know I can believe in space wizards, but. Women in space, you go too far. <laughs> so, joining us today uh, here on the track is the lovely group of podcasters from Execute Chapter 66, the best Star Wars fiction podcast you will find. <laughs> like, subscribe, share. Please. We have <laughs> Beth Van Dusen. Hello. <laughs> Hello there. A walking encyclopedia of Star Wars, Chad J. Shank. And 
the lovely and talented Ryan J. Schweck, head of research. We are clapping now. Get ready. I, I like the pause that you had to take to figure out how to introduce him. Yes. <laughs> but we are here today to talk about who shot first, the special editions at 25. So for people who don't know, in, in 1997, George Lucas, uh, with, for the 20th anniversary of A New Hope, George Lucas decided to release uh, the original films, which I guess then were the only films, um, back in theaters. Um, he, he spent a lot of money to digitally uh, enhance the, the picture and the sound to make it up to uh, current cinema level quality. Um, but he also did something else which was he decided to return the films to, as his direct quote, to finish the films the way they were meant to be. Um, he actually spent $10 million on A New Hope. Uh, the movie cost 11 to begin with, but he spent $10 million just on A New Hope. Um, I, I had a question. How many people in here saw Star Wars when it came out the first time? The first time. Okay. How many people saw it for the first time with the special editions? In the, like the, in, in the theaters. theaters. Yeah. Oh, in, in the, the, in the, the theaters. theaters. In the theaters. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. I saw it in the theaters when I was a kid, but it was when it, when it came back. Okay. So, um, so now these days, the what what we know of as, as the special editions has just become Star Wars. If you go on Disney Plus or, or whatever, like the changes are just part of the movie. If you want to see the original versions, you gotta do it through other means. <laughs> Um, well, and what's so tricky now is there was the special editions, and then there's the 2015 cut, and then there's the Blu-ray. Disney Plus just kind of messing around with it every once in a while. Yeah, McClunky. M with McClunky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna skip over the dozens of kind of minor cosmetic changes. There's there's all sorts of effects changes all the way through it. We were just gonna try to hit some of the big ones, you know, the the non-controversial ones. I mean, I'm I'm happy to talk for 15 minutes about the shadow under the land speeder if you'd like. Because you see, good, the land that speeder is didn't have a shadow, but it's like here. See how my hand has a shadow? The yeah. land speeder should have had that. And he added. And one. now it does. And now it does. Yeah, and so it's good. George Lucas is a genius. He is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One million dollars just for that shadow. I mean, that's worth it, right? Oh, absolutely. I believe it now. Yeah. So, um, I guess the first thing we should talk about is the expansion of Mos Eisley, the the city where Han and where uh, Luke and Ben meet uh, Han Solo. Lucas couldn't help himself and um, made the city bigger and more bustling added a whole lot of uh, uh, business, monsters walking around, comedy bits. Um, Brian? Alright, so we, before we get there, so he adds the do-backs in, which there's the one do-back, you know, that was the puppet, and then now we've got do-backs walking around, and then now we pull into Mos Eisley, and we get Womp Rats, we get the Ronto going the up, Rontos, yeah. and then we get the droids, like yeah, the, the humor. The droid. That is sign number one. Things aren't going well. <laughs> I, you know, we yeah. skip that. We will go back to it. Well, he can't help himself, though. Like, I, I don't mind the, the expansion of the city. I don't even mind the Rontos. That's fine. It's the little comedy bits yeah. that he just can't help. He, he just... If you, if you saw... if you saw I know it was Spielberg, but if you saw Crystal Skull, 
I know it didn't. Sorry, there was a movie called Crystal Skull. I know most people don't acknowledge it exists, but even then, they they wanted to. There was that gopher thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they just can't help it. Gophers are funny. Have you seen Caddyshack? <laughs> you need to watch Caddyshack now. It is it, the word picture. It has not aged well. That's that's Caddyshack is not aged well. This this was the beginning of George Lucas deciding that droids all have to have jokes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And hooray for continuing that trend. Can you imagine if like your toaster had jokes? It would be the worst. It just burns ever. it into the toast. Yeah, like every time, like doing toast, it's like spitting it out. It's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of with Chad in that I don't mind making the city bigger. Yeah, it, Mos Eisley is supposed to be a major spaceport, a wretched hive of. And so it being, you know, when we first see it in the original version, and it's just like what three outhouses. It's like, well, now I know why it's so wretched, but. So making it bigger, that is um, the same thing. I was fine up until that one droid kept floating by. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that doesn't even look like a Star Wars robot. It does now. Yeah. It didn't then. But but the, the one thing that had in 97, they had the Imperials had little sentry droids mm-hmm. that would walk around with them that really did not feel like Star Wars droids in 1997. <coughs> now, all these years later... Now they fit in just fine, but at the time they definitely stu- stuck out. Yeah, and the other one that annoyed me was having stuff move in between the camera and the characters. Yes, and I was like, get that out of. You would not do that with live actors. Maybe. No, um, that that to me was a weird choice because he very purposely did that. But but why? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why would you put? And the CGI, honestly, let's face it. At the time, it looked okay, but now it does not look good. So let's let's just. Mm-hmm. Scale it back a little bit. George doesn't do that. I, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do that. So now let's get to the the elephant in the room. Ryan, let's would go. you Ryan, would you like to talk about Greedo shooting first? All right, I'm strapped in. Let's 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 really break it down. So I will say one thing we're going to do here at this panel is we're going to do some voting. We're going to do some healthy disagreement and some. Healthy expressing of our feelings. Non toxic. What defines healthy? No one dies. We'll see after I say this. <laughs> so, look, here's the thing Leia doesn't love a killer. Like, Han is a rogue, yes. Han has killed people in his time, absolutely. Yes. But you know what? Han doesn't shoot first, heroes don't shoot first. Now, this is a difference between the 2000, the 1997 to 2015. Now, they've kind of changed the timing on it a little bit. They keep where, tweaking it. Yeah, they keep tweaking it where Greedo, you know, he definitely shoots first this time. And look, I'll admit, the head CGI is a little rough where they haven't moved. But I'm just saying, heroes don't shoot first. He's threatened, yes, and he does say it. But... I don't think Leia falls in love with somebody that, uh... Is anybody uh, buying this? (laughs) He is not a hero at that point. He's a drug runner and a smuggler. Have you seen Solo? He started the rebellion. He paid for it. But have you seen seen Solo? He learned how to shoot first in Solo. Yeah. 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 Leia wasn't in the room. He never told her. Okay, and I need someone... dick. (laughs) And I need someone to tell me exactly what drug is spice. What does it do? Well, look, we don't know, and we don't need to know. We saw it. We saw it on Kenobi. Finally, yeah. Uh, uh, on, exactly. On Kenobi, it makes flea high. Yes. Yeah. 
They saved. They well, saved that it for, takes a lot. They saved it for yeah. the kids' shows to tell you about the hard drugs. The spice is the worm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell me, why, why does why does Han need to shoot first? Why? Other than the internet and the the it, world has told you. Do you want a serious? That's we we choose to argue. About. Do you want a serious answer? Yeah. It's his character arc. He starts as a self-interested, self-motivated, only caring about himself, to someone who, by the end, he's. You know, he throws in with these people. He's yeah, won over by Leia and Luke. <laughs> and Chibu, yeah, I still want that Chewbacca. She's glaring at him the entire time after they left. Would they have really used that point in time to be a pivotal character moment, though? Why not the rest of his screen time? I think it's an establishing It's an establishing thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the second he's talking and he reaches down and we see him pop, it's like, that's the moment you know he's going to kill this guy. I mean, he's ready. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's ready, and he'll take action when he has to, and he doesn't feel bad about it. No, he definitely does not feel. Do bad you think? I know. I don't think he feels Greedo, bad. Greedo, Greedo, the worst <laughs> bounty hunter is going to get the drop on Han Solo. <laughs> Look, Greedo. He did. He did have the drop on him. He had his. He had his. Oh, shot fired. We'll get to some Boba Fett bashing later. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and look, I mean, they've obviously timed it more now, where they shoot at the same time. I'll also accept that, but <laughs> I, I, I will not accept Greedo shooting at all. Now, one thing I do find really funny about the whole Han shooting first is, you know, for years Lucas tried to say that that was always the intention. Yeah, and he that's said it was, always wanted what he wanted to do. He says it was in the storyboards. And then they straight found the script from 1975, and that is not what it says. <laughs> Wait a minute, are you telling Lucas is saying that something's different from when he wrote it originally? I think he forgot. Saying he remembered it differently. Uh, yeah. Because Marsha knew what she was doing when she edited it. That is also a fact. That is also a fact. The difference between 83 and everything after is no Marsha. So we want to vote. I we can vote. I mean, okay. So we're, we're gonna, gonna see. So who everybody tells Schweck he's wrong. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So show of hands. Who's 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 uh, with Ryan with uh, Greedo shooting first? That's actually <laughs> yes. Nice. Get out. I can't <laughs> That's a, he's a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a vegetable. Uh, I am a mammal. Animal. You're a mammal. Animal. He's a plant. <laughs> um, in this room, you're a mammal. That's true. Um, that's more than I thought. So yeah, I expected zero. Okay. I expected. I expected no. Does anybody have a, a good argument for it? I just want to know: Are we to ignore what we now know through Solo? We're, we're, Does that reflect back onto? It's hard. To, it's hard to do that, but we're trying to think about the mindset of watching these movies in 1997. Okay. Yeah. When they came out. Okay. Sure. Yes. Uh, Greedo was a bad seed, as we saw in the Phantom Menace. So. Greedo was always a bad seed. Han should have shot him more. <laughs> <laughs> this guy gets it. He's an it getter. I always took Han to be the guy that wants as little complications as he can get. True. He, I, I would say he would definitely be prepared, which is why it was still under the table. But wouldn't if he wanted to. Be aggressive about it. I don't think he would have his hand hidden under mm-hmm. the table. That, that's a good point. Yeah. Hod doesn't want to give any credits up either. And once he shoots him, he's got to pass some credits off. Sorry for the mess. Yeah. 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 It's cheap. Remember the dialogue, though. It's like over my dead body. 
That's the idea. We set our set the terms. I agree to your terms. Look, so. Greeno says a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> the the only argument I'll make is that we're we're gearing at this time in 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 Star Wars history. We're gearing up to make the prequels. Yep. And we know we know from watching the Phantom Menace that George Lucas thought of Star Wars as for children. Yes. Um, yeah. He did. He did. I mean, it's not. He. 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 Yeah. He was. He was aiming for children. So, I can see how he would be looking back upon the original movies and not wanting one of his heroes to commit what he believes is cold-blooded murder when he sees these movies for kids. Because really, it still what, doesn't convince me in any way, shape, or it's form. Self, it's self-defense. It's not murder. It's self-defense. Yeah, Greedo had basically just straight up told him, I'm going to kill you to take your dead body to Jabba. Beth, are you saying yeah. that Tatooine has standard ground laws? <laughs> yes. It's, it's Arizona. It's space Florida. Why do you, why do you think Owen... Oh, Mos is space Florida. That is exactly what I think. Why do you think Owen and Baru are there? The, they're, they're the preppers. They retired. They are cousins. You know, go back. I do want to say, and this is not special editions, but just Owen and Baru in general, like, as I was re-watching all these, now when Luke is like, that droid says, He's permission, or he's his owner is Obi Wan Kenobi. Now I just picture Baru being like, "It's go time." She's and she like goes oh, yeah. in and like yeah. pulls out all the rifles and yeah. like. There's a reason the whole place got lit on fire, and it's because Baru yeah. took care of some business. It's why they have the most horrible oh, yeah. death in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, she fought. She definitely fought. Okay, her. all right. Let's so, get to the next one. So let's get to the next one. I have right. to say, just sure. I watched. I was a child in 1997, and I, I watched the original first because my dad had the VHS, so he, that's the one he like wanted me to watch, and then later on we did get the special edition, and I was upset as a child that it looked different, so I think even as like a kid thing that, at least for me, was important. So. That's interesting. I was going to say something similar, like I saw it for the first time when I was seven, and I've always, always thought it was self-defense. I've never felt like he was not pushed to shoot at that point. And that, even as a little kid, I was like, he's defending himself, and I never thought of him as a cold-blooded killer. So to me, it bothered me when they changed it, because now I'm like, well, what is... I, I'm a traditionalist, I guess. Like, I don't like the change. Some people just need killings. And Han wasn't a hero at that point. No. Well, I was also a kid at that time, and when the I, I grew up with the original, not the originals, but like when they made them nice and looking. And then when the special edition came out and watched it, it didn't make sense because it made Rio look like non-threat when he missed point blank. That's true too. It's a very awkward shot. Yeah. He, he is pointing his gun directly at Han and misses. Yeah, it's like, how do you miss? Because Greedo's the worst. Because he's the worst. <laughs> Greedo's the worst. Okay, okay. The second worst. Second worst. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get to him. Greedo's a former stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say one before we get to the next one. The one that throws me off from the special editions that happens before this that I remember from my childhood and when you go back and watch it is the noise that Obi-Wan makes as a yeah. Krayt dragon. Yes. It pulls me out every time that he doesn't go, Arrgh! I think they've changed it like three times. And yeah, yeah, they keep changing it. And in my head, I still hear the original Krayt dragon noise, and it snaps me every time I hear the other noise. 
Well, now we're going to get to we're going to get to another one that very very popular, uh, which is the scene with Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> okay, so sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, has anybody seen the episode of The Simpsons where the kids meet George Lucas, which is not really George Lucas, and he can't stop talking about digital eyelash rendering making his movies better? That's what this feels like. He just thinks because he can draw a job of the hut over this man, that he should draw a job of the hut over this man. And it looks terrible. Not only does it look bad, but... Jabba's all slithering around, and then what? Five years later, he can't even move because he's too big. He put on six hundred pounds. He's not going anywhere. I mean, he's three feet tall. And honestly, I thought huts were supposed to be carried. Yeah, well, that was later. But and also the simple fact of the scenes unnecessary because they had to cut it. Everything we find out in that scene got put somewhere else. Yeah. Yes, it's a, it, it does, there's nothing in that scene that you learn that you don't already know from the Greedo scene. More egregious to me than Jabba is Boba Fett. Why is he there? To Why look at the camera. Look at the camera go, hey, it's Boba Fett. <laughs> now I'm in all three movies. Looking over at the camera going, ladies. Oh, get ready. That content's coming later. <laughs> yeah. yeah his, his total Deadpool. So, yes. I, my biggest problem with this scene is it makes Jabba less dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Like, you've had, you're supposed to have had the threat of Jabba over the three movies. Yes. And he steps on his tail, and Jabba's like, hoo, hoo, hoo. And you're like, if he's big old bad crime boss, he ought to be shot in the face right now. Right. You just sent a man to kill you. Right. And now, and now you're Mabuki? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. And let's face it, how many mafia dons go, that guy owes me money, I'm going to go talk to him personally. See, that's the only thing I do like about the scene, though, is I, I do like, I mean, it was impossible for them to do the scene properly because of Harrison Ford walking around the original Scottish actor that they had playing Jabba, um, so he has to step on his tail. But the one thing I do like about that scene is seeing the relationship between Han and Jabba and know that it wasn't always contentious. That there is a um, almost an affection between the like two of it. them. I don't want them to have uh-uh. kind of no. like Jabba is no. supposed to be. Yeah, but, scary. It, but it makes it more tragic that. though. Because he doesn't like him that much. He's gonna throw him down the Sarlacc in a little while. Don't yell at me. I still think the scene's garbage. And <laughs> 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 he's not gonna throw him in the Sarlacc that he puts him on the wall. Well, eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I. This is the worst part of that scene though is I mean, Boba Fett looks at the camera. I'm sorry, Boba Fett. Awesome. Look, you must be a Deadpool fan. I'm going to throw this out. Look, he's a fan. He was serviced. He's happy. I I agree that it adds character conjecture. It, like, further, not furthers the story, but it adds another layer. Here's the question, though. You have Boba Fett, who's, ooh, the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. No, he's And you send Greedo to the table? Like, he's (laughs) right there. That is is true. Like, Boba Fett's uh, also a terrible bounty hunter. Uh, Boba Fett's the worst. He's a That's a whole other panel. <laughs> <That's, laughs> go to a Star Wars track. I'm sure they're talking about Book of Boba Fett somewhere. Of course. But I kind of thought the bounty was out there and whatever bounty hunter could get him got yeah. the bounty. Yeah. Yes, yes it, it is. That is, yeah, that, that is what it is. Hey, whoever gets 
But then, but then he walks into a room with like twelve bounty hunters in in the thing, and nobody yeah. shoots him. Also, as I say, that seems a lot funnier if he walks in and has a little conversation with Jabba, and the boat fetch goes, <laughs> and then he dies. Twelve bounty hunters so. who are actively not getting Han. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing is like this scene should have happened before the Greedo scene if it was going to make yeah. sense. Yeah, there's some there's some dialogue that is literally redundant. Yeah, he uh, says it twice. He, say, he yeah. says the dialogue twice. So why Han shot first? And that's because now all these other bounty hunters know that he's got no balls with with just going at the language, as opposed to wait, I'll wait and see if he's going to come at me, please. No, that's fair. I mean, if Han really wanted to to cut it off right then and there, he could have just walked in guns blazing and taken out the whole room, solved all his problems right there. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah but if Jabba's like his massive crime yeah. boss, yeah. and Han walks in to the middle of his consigliere or whatever the how you call it, people aren't just going to start opening fire in front of the crime boss. That's true. Yeah, you're not going to start shooting with the dogs right there if you could hit the dog. Jabba wanted his shipment. Yeah. He didn't want. He only wanted the solo deck because he couldn't get his shipment. You know, he That's true. But the, ship, he does the shipment's gone. So That's true. He does have to pay more money. All right, so we're going to run out of time here because you guys are being great. So we'll wrap up on that. I don't think we need to vote, but let's go ahead and vote. Uh, uh, anyone who's f- for the scene being in the movie. <laughs> I like it. That's very cool. I like it. Okay. I like it. Um, there's a few little things along the way. There's a scene in the Death Star where Han uh, runs around the corner chasing the stormtroopers. <laughs> yes. And originally he turns the corner and sees what, like three of them, yeah. Yeah. and runs three away. Five. And then in the special edition, Luke has added like an entire battalion. Um, which seems. I always thought that four was enough. Yeah. Four was enough, for, for sure. I thought it, by, by extrapolating, they make them seem less daunting. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny in the moment, but when I thought about it later, it's like, then why didn't all 600 of these guys just come screaming Not down come the Not come screaming down the hallway. But by that point, Luke and Leia have already escaped from them. Mm. When the stormtroopers that came to get them had what? They had the high ground. And as yeah, we, know, we know, the high ground is the ultimate decider in Star Wars. It is. You just it have is. to have it. It's a plus 15 to your attack roll. It's a fact. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's see. Okay, so um, there is one scene that I actually am a big fan of. Um, before the Battle of Yavin, Lucas reinserted a scene reuniting Luke uh, with his childhood friend Biggs. Um, Biggs, of course, was, uh, if people know, was cut out of the... Uh, original longer cut of the movie um there was an entire sequence on tatooine with luke and his friends uh at the at the actual tashi station where he picks up his power converters which is on disney plus now if you haven't seen it yeah all those scenes are on disney on on disney plus um and so he added um because i know as a kid when when biggs when biggs dies in uh in the movie john williams puts this very kind of like melancholy music cue Mm -hmm. it's not 100 percent earned because you don't know who this guy is You're like, where's where's Porkins' music? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Por- Porkins didn't make me cry. Um, so uh, so they did add um, they did add that scene back in. That's not necessarily a digital 
that's not one of his digital creations. That's just throwing a scene back in there. So, yeah. did but, did you have something? Yeah, I I will say. I mean, while I do like the addition of the big scene before the battle of Gavin, I I will say as as a kid, even as a kid, because of the use of music, I mean, and you can tell kind of by the yeah. byplay they have in the original battle of Gavin that they're closer than Luke is to some of the other pilots. So yeah, I do think to a certain extent that is. Our- no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and he it, he does his name is mentioned. I do earlier like, in the movie. Yeah, he's friends with yeah. yeah, his yeah, name is mentioned like, earlier. Yeah, I do like in the scene. It's just like a quick where he's like, "Well, can you handle leg swing?" And Biggs is like, "Yeah, man, that's how dude totally shoots womp rats. He's great." And the general is like, "Good to go." <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Like, Here's our expensive ship. Go yeah. nuts, kid. We're a poor rebellion. <laughs> Never we, have the, yeah. we have this uh, Iowa kid who's flown a few crop testers. Let's put him in an F-16. <laughs> exactly. That's, ex- that's exactly what happens. <laughs> that's true. The Blue Squadron's gone at this point. Like, yeah, they've lost a lot. It's like Randy Quaid at the All end right, of the yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did Randy Quaid? How did Randy Quaid learn how to fly a fighter jet? I don't know. When, when the red leader calls, the red squad can come call in, and they're all over the map. It's, it's one, two, three, four. You check in that way. And red five, red eight, red, red, red fox, red fox, red fox, standing by. Simply red. You call in, and he based that scene on the dam busters, which they called in one, two, three. And always drives me crazy this day that it's just a throw it against the wall and see what sticks. I think the last thing in New Hope, I mean, they they updated the Battle of Yavin pretty yes. extensively. And I will say, I think the Battle of Yavin still looks pretty yes. good. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't know if I love the Death Star ring. The way well, I was going to ask, if, if anyone can explain to me the physics of the Death Star ring, I'll buy it. It looked good when Praxis blew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It made sense with the sound of the explosion. I mean, we should be able to hear. But sound of the explosion. We are not getting into sound. We're not. We're not getting into. We're not getting into. We're not getting into sound in space. Is it in a vacuum? We're not getting into it. That's why we're not. I will say. I think it's just in the scoundrel. They do explain somewhat how some of the sound weapons in Star Wars work in space. And what episode of the podcast do you discuss that? That'll be on about a month. That'll be on in about a month. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten to that book yet. All right, all right. Let's get to Empire. Yeah. Well, Empire is going to be pretty easy. It's the least fun. You got play to say about Empire? Awesome. the first thing that struck me in uh, Empire is uh, the addition of the full-bodied Wampa yes. mm-hmm. in, in the Death Star, in the, uh, Death Star, in the, in the ice cave on Hoth. Do you have... I don't have anything for that. It's, to me, the, the few changes were needed for Empire because Empire already was the best movie. Yeah. And it still is almost perfect movie. Um, it's definitely my favorite of the Star Wars movies. And the addition of the main things that they added were things to Cloud City. Yeah. And because you need to believe that more than just Lobot yeah. and Wilro Hood live in Cloud City, it's not just those two dudes and he's like, everybody get out of here. You two guys go. <laughs> well, I, I like the Cloud City thing because it origi- in the original cut of the movie, it looks like they could be in any other starship. Yeah. yeah. It looks mm-hmm. like they're in the halls of a Star Destroyer or, or anything like that. And the opening up of the city, it also gives it a cool lighting. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. A, a cool look a look to it with the with the windows and the uh, coming f- the the light coming in from Bespin. Um, I think really. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Now he only spent he spent ten million on the on New Hope, but he only spent two and a half million on the other two movies. So, you know, something's had to be cut, I guess. I am surprised in Empire. You know, there's the stuff with the Wampa where we see the full body Wampa, but there's the other deleted stuff that the there's attacks. footage yeah, that the exists in there. of that the one Wampa fan came when they released. <laughs> Like the Empire comes in and the Empire (laughs) or the Rebellion releases the Wampas. Now I don't. I kind of wonder if they didn't put that in because it's covered in Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, Shadows of the Empire. That's level. It's almost level one. It's almost level one. There's just Wampas everywhere. Yeah. There's also a chance they didn't include it because it didn't work. Yeah. That it wasn't very good. That it wasn't well, very good. Ground for that idea. That it wasn't very good in 1980. So therefore, they cut it. Yeah. Well, and what's weird about Empire? And I don't know if this is why. You know, Empire Strikes Back. Lucas is very famously this is his least favorite movie. Yeah. And he says it all. The, I mean, he said it multiple times. Yeah. Empire is the one he doesn't like as much. Because he had the least amount of control and direction. Which is why I'm not better. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if he didn't tinker with it as much. Yeah, because he doesn't feel that connection with Empire that he does with the other two. Yeah, there's a bunch of other life stuff going on too. With that. That's true. Yeah. He, he did. He was going through some some stuff in his life. And replacing the Emperor was just way we got the good actor. Yeah. 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 And there's one little thing that the the one, and this is it's not there anymore. But in '97, it always bothered me. They added when Luke. Uh, drops from uh, his encounter with Darth Vader and he decides to drop instead of joining him. Uh-huh. They added a scream. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, no. that is bad. So gone is the noble Jedi choosing death over dishonor and instead we get the farm boy who slipped. Yeah. And um, and luckily someone along the way, I think actually Lucas because it wasn't on the Blu-ray releases I believe. I believe they got rid of it pretty quick yeah. but I remember always, uh, always bristling at that. I mean to be fair you just, you just found out your father's the Sith Lord. You're dropping down. You don't know what's going to happen. Luke's got a lot of emotion going on. <laughs> and it's a, it's scary. It's a big scary He's drop. Yeah. Feel tough when you let go. Yeah. You're like, no! No, what I do? Not not a good idea! Good. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> I changed my mind! <laughs> so you're saying the high ground didn't help. Well, Lu- well, technically, in that one, Vader had the high ground. Yeah. Was and then he up. mixed messages. <laughs> yeah. The high ground is... And then he had the super high ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a tier system. Exactly. Yes. There's the high ground, then there's the higher ground, then there's the highest. Uh, so the highest ground. There's their cover. Okay. <laughs> Go well, you. There is a discussion we could have. Yeah. All right. See, so Luke and the th- and Jedi should have brought a well, step stool and say, "I'm on the high ground." So I think we can kind of all agree that Empire is the least scathed by by the special editions. But I think the one that comes out the best. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, it, it did the le- it was the better movie, and then it was there was less tinkering, and therefore it ended up being yeah, and actually ends up being better. Yeah, yeah. 
It actually does end up, end up being a little bit better. Yeah. Well, the, the animation is that it's added is the backgrounds. And the backgrounds, of course, look better than trying to draw creatures at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So... All right. All right. Let's move on from better. Let's uh, let's go on to Return of the, the Jedi. That's how much time we have. Yeah, let's go on to Return of the Jedi. So I can handle. I can almost handle Greedo shooting first, and I can almost handle the Jabba scene. Uh huh. But I cannot handle Jedi rocks. <laughs> yeah. Look, I will say this: there are a lot of bad things that have happened in Star Wars. The Christmas special. The Ewok movies. There's a lot of bad things happening. Jedi Rocks is the worst thing that's ever happened in Star Wars. And I will die on that hill. Yes. When he jumps on and goes, One day, day! And like, ah! And like, he's like singing in front. It's so When we so get that shot of awful. the uvula. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> another unnecessary oh, Boba Fett scene. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, look, Boba Fett is talking to the ladies. Yeah. That lady's going to be like, You're lame. Get off me. <laughs> You're the worst bounty hunter ever. You know what girls really like? When you touch them on their chin. Yeah, that's I'm super sure sexy. Like, oh, dude. You're just looking at you. Kid. Yeah. I, I, will, I will admit, in 97, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I thought I thought Boba Fett flirting was, was funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a different time. But the music, but the, yeah, exactly. It was 90s. a different time in the late nineties. Woodstock was on the horizon. Now I'm not I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the original song of Lafty Neck. I don't have any personal. But it was attachment short to, to it. Yeah. Yes. It was, was short. It, it was lo-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it just felt like some crappy band that this gangster had playing in his maybe under duress, <laughs> play, playing in his in his throne room. Well, and again, it makes Jabba silly. Like yes. it takes the crime den that's supposed to be like seedy, and now we have a weirdo musical number. Yeah, and. Yeah. It makes it humorous in the middle of what's supposed to be pretty scary. Well, it stops the movie cold, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it stops the entire movie for a music video. It does. It takes, there, like, there. a cold it's a bad song. and puts Motley Crue in front of it. Yes. Honestly, <laughs> if it was a better song, could we mm-hmm. tolerate it more? It's still, even a good song would take me out of the moment. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the dan- I don't know if the dancing girls would have would have been okay. And the the the, the Yuzum guy, what's his name? I always forget his name. Uh, Yalza, Joe, Joe Yalza, or whatever. Like, just it's just it's just all too much. Well, you got like the weak way on the drum. Oh and, yeah. Like, it's just all bad. There's there's nothing good about it. I put one redeeming quality: Boba Fett is seen flirting. So that's redeeming. That's a negative for me. That is not redeeming. That's more Boba Fett. He makes him more what we need redeeming. is less Boba Fett. Do your job, Boba Fett. So Boba Fett rocks. Yeah. Is that what it is? Does anybody think Jedi Rocks is a good addition? No. Oh, you oh, hey. oh, All right, I gotta hear it. I, I mean, I don't love Love Teen I love Jedi Rocks. It's fine. I just none of these. It is what it is now. We've had it for twenty-five years. Yeah. I love the fact that it's not that he wants to support it, he's just come to accept it. Uh, <laughs> that is that is the last stage of grief. 
Now, Max Rebo, I will defend. I love Max Now, Rebo. I would also I'm like to say, sir, as alive. a Star Wars fan, not that big of a deal shouldn't be in your vocabulary. <laughs> 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 everything is a big deal. Yeah. yeah, everything is a big deal. The Sarlacc having a beak. The Sarlacc yeah, looks like Audrey that. too. Yeah. I'm completely, I'm completely agnostic on this one. Really? I liked it when it was kind of gross look. Like it was yeah. more gross when there's not a beak. Yeah. It made more yeah. sense uh, without a beak. It's yeah. like it's, it's just a, that it's, you know, it's a pit that you fall in and yeah. you have to get close. And it digests you. It, it shouldn't be something that takes a bite out of you. You've got downward facing spikes and then something coming up against the spikes. Yeah. Okay, let's not worry about biology in Star Wars. That doesn't no, but that's a good call. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Having a beak changes it from passive to active. Yeah. Yeah. Like the pit is passive, you fall and you die. Yeah. The beak is like, I'm going to... Well, it did have the tentacles. At that point. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it definitely makes it a little less scary and creepy. Yeah. So. The beak is small, and it makes the other Sarlax kind of make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, this is the fourth end of the panel. Oh, it's, it's quite possible. It less scary. Just... Yeah. The beak or what fundamentally? The beak is silly. It looks great. It was like a meaty hole before. Yeah. It was great. Again, this is a before 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're more afraid to just nothingness. Have another beer. It's not nothing, though. It's this weird, gross, meaty hole. Yeah. All right. So everybody, hashtag meaty hole. <laughs> okay. Well, Dragon God after dark. Don't defend your people. I also be confused with the addition of Book of Boba Fett. If there's a beak in there and he's supposed to be getting chomped yes. or something, how is he surviving? Exactly. Yeah, that's Gengar. Plot that's, armor. Uh, that's, no, no, no. The third worst bounty. I agree. Uh, I disagree with all of Book of Boba Fett. So. <laughs> yeah. He disagrees with Book of Boba Fett in general, so you you're you got an ally on that one. For sure. For sure. <laughs> That's we need two episodes of the Mandalorian. All right. Should we get? Oh yeah. Uh, well, Ryan's got it. So, so before we get to Yub Nub, before we get to Yub Nub, um, there is also the celebration around the galaxy um, yeah. that Lucas added, where we get we get kind of like that, where we get views of Bespin, Tatooine, and for the first time ever, we get to see Coruscant. Yeah. So, as they're bringing down the statue, as they're celebrating around the galaxy, there's fireworks and everything. Here's the weird thing with it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, in 97, it was okay, like, seeing that, it's a nice kind of wrap-up. But even in EU and regular canon, if you go out there and you start celebrating and you're tearing down statues... It's about to be Stormtrooper Death Squad time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do, 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 that should be the end of that scene. It's people like, yay! And then Stormtroopers going... Bah, 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 bah. Wasn't the Death Star a... That's why we cut away enemies. after three yeah. seconds. Well, because there's years where nobody believes it. Like, that's right. talked yeah. about that they put out. The, no, the Emperor's not, the Emperor's yeah, not yeah. dead. Especially on Coruscant. You know if they tore down a statue of Sheev, there'd be somebody out there killing everybody. Yeah. Now, mean, as far as wrapping up a movie, yes. <laughs> yeah. The Emperor returned. The big weird thing on that for me was the, wow, that news traveled fast. Yeah. 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 Especially to somewhere like Tatooine that's in the middle of nowhere. There's an in-cane reason for how they have, but I won't go into all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan. Oh, sorry. It, if I remember correctly, though, in 97, it was just still on Endor. 
It wasn't until no, the no, movie. no, no. It was they added, they added, they added Naboo. Uh, into the celebration for the Blu-ray release mm-hmm. because yeah. that would have been after the prequels. Yeah, yeah but I don't remember. Yeah, but it was still Bespin and I, I saw that statue coming down. It's not all the cities. They start adding them later mm-hmm. in the Blu-ray. It's kind yeah. of like Anakin when they start messing with it later. But there's a couple in there. Make your case for Yub Nub. Yub Nub is how Star Wars ends. <laughs> yes. Yes. I yes. hate that new song. Yeah. And I dislike it for a number of reasons. One, it's like subdued. Two, they like turned up the sound on them playing <laughs> on the helmets mm-hmm. of decapitated soldiers. That's a war crime, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he walks. Yes, people. yes, they do. Yeah, they, they do. do. I highly recommend reading Princess and the Scoundrel. You get to see an Ewok bachelor party. It's pretty great. But like, I don't know. Like Yum Nub was how Star Wars always ended to me. And I yeah. I hate the new songs it's so tribal and that's much. Right. Yeah. Do, do, do. Yeah, so, like, yeah. for me as a kid, I think that's what made me the most upset because, because um, just, you know, as a kid, like, you just remember the songs and that uh-huh. was the, yeah. and, and that was just such a huge change to me. And I mean, later on when I got older, I understood, like, more the Han first type thing, but like as a kid, kid, I was so upset about that ending because I was like, "What happened to the song? I like that song," and I was, you know, I think it just—I felt like as a kid, it hit harder. It completely yeah. changes the. Feeling of it, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the new song is not even like really loud and celebratory. No, it's very. It's cool kind of calm. subdued. It's kind of new agey. And yeah. yeah, and it's not like. And also, the Ewoks dancing like this does not fit. Well, with and it. and the worst part of that is they make Lando look like he has no rhythm because he's yeah. off beat now yeah. when he's clapping. <laughs> and we all know yeah. Lando has rhythm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think. And for me, I always <laughs> thought that Lucas did that simply because I remember you know growing up a Star Wars fan, so many people always razzing. Yub Dub. People mm-hmm. always, oh, the movie's great till we get to the Yub Dub. I'm like, what's wrong with you? But I remember a large chunk of the fandom for the longest time hated that song. So Lucas just well, that's because it. the large chunk of the fandom hated the Ewoks. Well, yeah. right. we, we pretty much evolved past that. I was a little kid when that came out. I loved the damn teddy bears. Oh, well, I, I, yeah. we wanted with the feeling too, like Yub also makes such a great contrast to when Luke is burning Vader because yes. it goes from this like kind of sad beautiful, subdued beautiful piece thing, of music. Yeah. and then all of a sudden yep everybody else is celebrating like there's like a yeah. good dichotomy there. A lot of Sherman did, did you have something? No I well I, I uh, the original music they had the rap version of Nico and I I think I pestered the local radio station with how many times I called and requested them to play the Ewok rap. That's funny. I, I, I wrote in my notes, I have no opinion, let Ryan rant. <laughs> so, that, that was mine. This is, this it's is, like they stole Wicked's moment. Wicked, I agree with your argument, Wicked though, that, that just for a, a, a nostalgia's sake, and a, that it's just the sound of Star Wars ending. I agree, I agree with yep, that, yep. and they and they took that away. And this is pretty divisive. I think this one does need a vote. Right, we need a vote on this one. All right, who who likes the Yub Nub song? Yeah, not as divisive. Okay, guess not. Who who actually likes the new song better? No, better. I'm, a, I'm okay. a They're both good. Mm. Uh, I, I think there's a place for a mix too. Like I think they almost could have done Yub Nub. 
and had some of the other song while they showed the yeah galaxy. show the other places. Like, there's a way they could have done it. They probably will on Disney Plus like next week. <laughs> and no, they won't say anything. Every time we watch right. Disney Plus, something's different. <laughs> so let me ask the three of you then, and we'll go just down. Yeah. If we were to get a here's the originals release, would you want that? And the special editions as separate editions, or would you want them to keep doing what they're doing now? Of this is Star Wars, take it. They're gonna have to re-release the originals. Um, now, are they going to? Not until Lucas is dead. I don't know. Supposedly, you know, rumored it's in the contract um, that part of the contract with Disney says that they can't do it. For otherwise, they would have by now. A certain amount of time. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, look, we all love Star Wars. Star Wars is about money. Mm-hmm. And there is money on the table to release the original trilogy. And they're is there anyone in this room who would not buy it? I pirate it. That, that one guy. <laughs> that one guy. I mean, I have it already. I mean, I mean I've already got it. But, yeah. I may have a 4K edition that I found somewhere online. Yeah. yeah. But there's a whole group of people that don't have access to it. And, you know, there's always been the rumors that the original prints are destroyed. Love. There's no way I buy into that. No, the Library of Congress has it. Yeah. No, they didn't. Oh. They requested it. Dun, dun, dun. He tried to send in oh, the 97 version, and they were like, this is not what we yeah. wanted. Oh, nice. So they do not possess one. Oh. Get it, I got learned. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got the DVD in my house if Disney needs it. I'll burn them a copy. It's actually a thing between my brother and I. My dad has the DVDs of the original and. Which is just the laser dog. Who's going to go to. And then you'll know which one is his favorite. So it's like, he's just going to bequeath it to us. We just don't know who it's going to go to. We might have to share it. But, I mean, we're at that point where, like, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think, too, if... I mean, if and when Kennedy leaves, and if the rumors come true that Filoni takes over, or even Favreau, like... Filoni's not shy about talking about the original trilogy and that mm-hmm. that's what he likes. Yeah. And so... But he's also not shy about his love for George. And well, and that's a good point. Like, yeah. he may, out of respect, not, not do it. Filoni, you know, Filoni learned at the feet yeah. of yeah. George. That's true. You know, working on Clone Wars. So I think... I, I would I buy it? Yes, I would. I would buy that copy in a heartbeat. Just, but, but I would. I would watch. Or would it. you want them to eliminate? One? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't Be, because I, you know, now, I, I, I embrace the entire. You know, not we're not here to start fights, but I embrace all the movies to one degree or another, and I think they, you know, they're just part of a whole now. And and so I I would not want them to replace it. I would like for for not for novelty's sake, but for nostalgia's sake, mm-hmm. it would be great to have uh, a copy. But I think part of the problem too in a post physical media world, where where is the money in it actually? Like if you add to Disney Plus, is anybody gonna join Disney Plus at this point? That's not because all of a sudden the original trilogy is there. I don't no. know. They no. could have a kid. 
then they already have it. Yeah. Fifteen that, copies of my house. Um, I mean, I've already got so many copies of Star Wars, but yeah, I would take another one because. And but, would you want to do stick with just one version or? Oh no, I, I have many versions already. I'd take another one. Oh, all right. Many versions, many boffins. <laughs> yep. Many boffins, brave, uh, <laughs> I think to your point about you know being about Star Wars making money, I think that they could do it as like a special release. Like you have to go to like the Disney park to buy a physical copy. That's true. Oh yeah. Yeah, you have to go to you have to reserve a two night stay in the house. But you check in instead of having like a towel duck. There's just like copies of the original. No, no. You only get it. You only get it when you leave. You have to come and stay for the two days. And there's still demand for people buying like physical copies of things, even people who subscribe. Disney Plus because yeah. there are people who are very possessive about Disney mm-hmm. movies and they make minor changes to the versions that are on Disney Plus because that's what you're streaming that in defect becomes this is your new version of the Disney movie and they don't want that and they want the original versions that they have. Well, look at Fantasia. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean that's why they used to have the Disney vaults. It could be like the bringing back of that kind of thing but like hey for a limited time you can get the original Star Wars trilogy they wouldn't make I would want it with. I would. I would want it without New Hope on it. I would want if they wouldn't get it to me. Originally, just just Star just Star Wars. They'll they'll put it in the theaters for a month. For one month only. Here's the original. They'll just call it Journal of the Wheel. No, these days they do it a weekend. Yeah. Be a Fathom event or something. Yeah, a Fathom event or an IMAX. They can figure out an IMAX. I don't think Disney does Fathom events. They did Rogue One. Yeah. Is Rogue One? I think Rogue One's a Fathom event, though, is it? It was just I. Oh, no, yeah, it was not a Fathom. It was just a go see it. And they would re release all the original action figures with. Alright, we, we don't have time to get into the action figures. New Black Series. Let's talk about action figures. Don't get him started on action figures, please. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we have to So it looks like. So, any final thoughts since we have four minutes? Uh, did anybody else have anything? Yeah, that's a good point. I think here's the here's the vote. <laughs> he has Ryan has something. Is all right. Let's take a vote. Are the special editions worth it, even with the good and the bad? Oh, it was totally worth it yes. to get to see it being on the big screen. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Well, do you think they like? I saw New Hope six times the same week. Should they have released the original trilogy, or should yeah. they have released the special editions? Because there's a lot of good in there. Tatooine looks great. The sunset looks good. <laughs> The yeah. shadows look good. Like, they added some decent stuff. Honestly, I just want them to re-release the special editions. Just take out the stuff that no one likes. <laughs> yeah. So the original. Got it. Well, the original is with the color correction. And, like, there's the... Google the specialized edition. Yeah, there, there, there's the specialized edition out there. Um, but with... Because uh, they did a lot of work with, like, the, the transparency, like, the snow speeders. Yeah. The sound were is originally yeah. were originally uh, transparent at times and they fix that um, the, the there's a lot of digital shot there's a lot of stuff you don't notice so like yeah. the smaller things and the shadow under the land speeder don't it's underestimate the shadow under the land speeder it's a, it's a game changer they keep tweaking because it was the 2015 because Lucas is a noodler and then they added McClunky well, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even just the originals, though. They did new color timing on Rise of Skywalker. They did do it, yeah. Um, They're on, starting on to Disney mess with Plus, the sequels. Which I was like, I want my, I want my Blu-ray. Like, I want them to exchange my 4K Blu-ray for their new color time. But they did color. So they're, 
you know, that's one of the, the pitfalls of having a digital is that yeah. they can always be tinkering with it. You know what they need to do? So we can see Plukun eject if the <laughs> ship is blown up. <laughs> don't there, don't there give him hope. There it is. Oh, don't he, give him hope. He so here's one thing I think too to wrap. I would like to see them maybe special edition the prequels and mm. update some things. I think you can make the pair floating oh, yeah. in the air much better. I rewatched Revenge of the Sith like last week and some of that green screening needs a touch up. It, yeah. it looks kind of rough in yeah. some parts. Well, I mean, digital technology is always going to look rough years later. It's just the nature of the beast. I mean, as it gets better, it's always going to end up. It's always going to end up looking worse. It's just, it's just time. We have time for this last question. Yeah. What do you guys think about putting Jar Jar Binks in the movie version of Return of the Jedi? Oh, in, in the. Uh, Weezer 3. When you see the celebration. When you see the celebration. I've come to accept Jar Jar. Bad, like, bad things happen to him in the books, and you really do end up kind of feeling sorry for him later on. Yeah. Is, he has the last line now and not Leia. He he does have the last line, which is which is true. It's a little much, but I've come to accept. But uh, I'd probably be better off without it, to be fair. So, um, but it looks like our time. So once again, your R. We are Execute Chapter Sixty Six. You can find us wherever you find our podcasts or any podcasts. Um, if we are a book club, not a review show, so if you just want to know what's happening in the books, come on and listen. Sometimes I sing. If you enjoyed this panel, please use the app and rate this panel. Uh, five stars if you loved it. Five cis stars if you didn't. Thank you guys. Roger, Roger.